The One Voice DSM podcast shares the story of major projects and initiatives shaping our region and highlights the key players and the Greater Des Moines Partnership investors who are making them happen. Each episode, you'll learn about a game-changing project and hear an in-depth conversation with community leaders who are helping drive it forward with one voice and one mission as one region. Let's listen to the interview. Welcome to the One Voice DSM podcast. I'm Tiffany Tauschek and the Chief Operations Officer here at the Greater Des Moines Partnership. Today's recording is part of our special major project series, where we will be exploring a number of game-changing projects that are in the works in Greater Des Moines. Today, I am so pleased to be joined by Liz Holland, CEO of Merle Hay Investors, and Michael Devlin, Managing Partner of Orchard View Sports and Entertainment, which owns the Des Moines Buccaneers hockey team. Merle Hay and Orchard View have been have recently announced a partnership with the cities of Urbandale and Des Moines to build a new 3,500-seat multi-purpose arena in the former Yonkers department store. The project plans for additional retail, housing, and hotel elements as well. To hear more about the project and details, let's welcome Liz and Michael. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you, Tiffany. Well, to start things off, Michael, tell us a little bit more about the project. So the project came about uh, kind of a number of years ago. I think, as everyone knows, the Buccaneers have been a part of uh, the Urbandale, Greater Des Moines landscape for 40 years now. And we've been playing in a 60-year-old facility that's uh, pretty much kind of reached the end of its useful lifespan. And uh, we realized we, we needed a new home for the team to, to grow hockey and ice sports in the area. And we were looking for a suitable uh, relocation area and we want really wanted to stay in urbandale if at all possible and after seeing a number uh, of sites uh, that we just didn't think would work out uh, there there was this thought of could we do something at merle hay given the change uh, in the retail landscape and these big stores that uh, are now empty and uh, I approached Liz a while ago and we discussed it and uh, she had the great vision as well to, to see the need for that. And uh, then, of course, after the derecho hit the other year, it kind of really pushed things uh, a lot more forward for us. And uh, But so the project overall on, on our side is bringing uh, the Buccaneers over to Merle Hay Mall, staying within Urbandale and uh, building some other ice sheets that we can bring new tournaments to town and uh, other type of events and hopefully, you know, grow that area. Well, we're hearing about uh, throughout the, the country, just really interesting activations that are taking place in, in retail spaces. And kudos to both of you for envisioning such a really creative, unique way to further activate Merle Hay Mall. Liz, why why is now the time to push forward with this project? Uh, well, Tiffany, you know, it's such a good question. And I think to Michael's point about the changing retail landscape, you know, when my grandfather opened Merle Hay Plaza in 1959, it had Yonkers at the South End and Sears at the North End. If you had looked him in the eye 
1959 and said, these two stores are going to operate without interruption for 59 and a half years and then are going to close within 35 days of each other, he would have wondered what you were drinking for lunch because that fact really both was a crisis because it dramatically changed our ability to attract tenants, to charge rent, to do all the things that we had been doing for close to 60 years. Um, But it also gave us a huge opportunity. And that was to really rethink the whole project, rethink where the retail should be, where the entertainment should be, where the destinations should be. And we had started really down the path of hybridizing the mall away from just being an enclosed mall, you know, when we brought Target on in 2005 and Target had groceries. And then in 2008 and nine, we added all of those junior anchor stores along the Merle Hay facade and really created a streetscape. And those stores had interior and exterior entrances, and it really changed that phase. And so the ability to redevelop the Sears end, you know, the north end of that run, as well as to rethink the Yonkers box and decide really what could be a destination there since it doesn't have the same visibility as the stores on the Merle Hay corridor do. Um, We really wanted to kind of take a giant step forward in terms of what we could bring to the really region, not so much just the central part of the state, because what we're going to create here, if we're fortunate enough to get, um, you know, the grant that we need from the IEDA is really a cutting edge project around the country. You know, a lot of malls have experienced what we experienced with dark anchor stores, and a lot of them are rethinking their mission, rethinking what their role is in the community. If it's not going to be just for retail, what can it also be? Um, You know, we brought Flix in, which was really the first of its kind eat at your seat movie theater in the area, you know, game day is certainly a a very different kind of tenant with, you know, a lot of family entertainment options as well as a sports bar. And so by putting the Buccaneer arena at the far Western edge of the project, um, that's really going to create, you know, an unbelievable draw, not just for, you know, the retailers in the mall, but for all the businesses in the region, especially with regard to, you know, the, the importance of youth sports. And I think, you know, the last year taught us all how much we value the things we have in ways that we probably might've taken them for granted before. And, you know, every parent who had a child in a sports team that had to suspend that participation for a year (laughs) found it a very painful exercise. So I think we're really excited about the inclusion of this kind of multi-purpose arena in the mall lineup. We think that it's going to be a great use of the physical space. You know, as Michael said, we're going to be able to reuse that building, which, you know, is if you're kind of eco-minded and, you know, want to reuse existing infrastructure, I mean, nothing could be more perfect than being able to reuse an existing structure to make this kind of game-changing Um, you know, type of attraction happen at the mall. Well, Liz, I think you hit some great points. So thank you and completely agree that this project will not only activate that, that corridor, the Merle Hay Road area in in Urbandale and and Des Moines, but also truly will be a regional and even statewide attraction. 
So I'm sure you both know that uh, Greater Des Moines was recently recognized by City Revive in an article that was titled, Des Moines Ramps Up Sporting Life with a Mecca of Ultimate Complexes. And this project was uh, one of the projects that was was lifted up and really celebrated. And it's in part because of that regional vision that, that you and your teams have. Um, so kudos to you for that. And thanks for helping us get some additional uh, PR and marketing word out about our great community before the project's even complete. Well done. Thank you. So as we, as we think about the region's growth, um, one thing that we've been looking at is data that show uh, that we were stronger as a region in the 2010s because of the investments that our community made in the recession in the late 2000s. And as we as a community are thinking about uh, really moving forward into a recovery stage, can you share with us just a little bit about how you see this community investment paying off in the long term? Sure, Michael, do you want me to go first? Sure. Um, you know, I think it, it all goes to your point initially, Tiffany, about the importance of public-private partnerships in these kinds of projects. Um, they're big, they're expensive, they create a lot of moving parts that require for us, which is unusual, not just coordination with a single city, but coordination with two cities and then with those two cities with each other. And so remember, this program with IEDA enables us to capture the increase in sales taxes that would otherwise go to the state of Iowa to pay down the investment in this, um, in the arena portion of the complex. And so that's really important because for us, most of the sales taxes are going to be generated in the city of Des Moines and they're going to be spent in the city of Urbandale. So just kind of philosophically, as you point out, you know, in the 2000s, there was a lot of, you know, um, competition between the metro communities for big businesses, for jobs, for job creation. And so we think this is kind of the new paradigm as we enter the 2020s, what we hope will be the roaring 2020s, um, to really show how cooperation between communities can create, you know, a whole that's greater than the sum of the parts with regard to the ability to attract tournaments, the ability to be multi-purpose, the ability to have a concert venue that fits very neatly in the other size venues that are around the city. You know, we're not duplicating anything with regard to the size of the venue that we can have. And so we just think that it's, it's truly going to be, you know, a really a win-win for the city of Urbandale and the city of Des Moines, as well as for, you know, Michael and myself. And if you think about it, the mall has been around for 60 years. The Buccaneers have been around for 40 years. You know, Iowa focuses very much and rightfully so on a century farm. And in some respects, our partnership creates a century business. And we're just really excited to be able to have two, uh, you know, entities that have a lot of history in the area coming together and creating something really exciting. Thank you. And Michael, as you and Liz and others have been out and about talking about this really exciting project, what are some of the um, elements of the project that people seem most excited about as they're learning more? I, I think... 
there, there's many exciting parts uh, of our project as it pertains to uh, the arena side. Uh, certainly on, on a fan perspective, I think the ease, ease of use of, of getting into the location, um, the, the seating will be better. We hope the sight lines will be better. Uh, various fan engagement. And of course, having amenities that are already built in uh, that you can show up to the arena for a game tournament. And if, if you need to have dinner somewhere, it's right there. If you need to run some errands, you have stores that are right there. It, it really solves a lot of problems that uh, more so on the tournament front, I would say that uh, a lot of times when families are trying traveling in for these weekend long tournaments that are looking, you know, have to go from their hotel to find the arena to whether they need to grocery shop or find some other entertainment when the games are over. Uh, th this becomes the one-stop shop, if you will, that you could, for a tournament's sake, you could come in on a Thursday, park your car. Uh, once we, we get the hotel project complete, you check in, stay there, and you won't have to leave the property really uh, until you're getting back in your car to go home. So that, that's a big, exciting part of it. On the uh, player front, uh, we, we have no development facility today for our, our current team. And, and these are young men that are looking to get Division I scholarships to advance their hockey career. And then from Division One, a lot of these kids are actually going on to the NHL or having some other pro career. And it, it's become difficult to attract uh, the, these players to, to come to the organization today because you're just not offering the, the type of facilities that they, they need to advance. And, and this is going to give us that platform. And I think really put Des Moines back on the map for uh, this tier one junior hockey. You know, that's something we talk about quite a bit, Michael, from a talent recruitment perspective and also talent retention too. We want, we want folks to stay here once they move here. But we as a community really do have a sincere enthusiasm and, and appreciation for sports. And as Liz pointed out, what a great opportunity with youth sports in particular. So uh, we also really appreciate the fact that this is, this is a venue where you can not only see and experience sports, but also live shows. And to your point, you can grab a sandwich or dinner and, you know, shop as well. So there's, there's a, lot, a lot to love and like about, about this project. Assuming your your all systems go ready to move forward, how quickly can we expect to get in the doors? I think that's the great part about the the public private partnership that it so much of the infrastructure is already in, in place there today, and if everything goes according to plan and this project is approved, uh, we'll have shovels in the ground immediately 
And the fact that we're reusing an existing property, again, that has all the infrastructure utilities in place, um, we could see the Bucks o- opening their 2022 season there, the fall of 2022. How exciting. We cannot wait, Michael. Uh, Liz, as you think about this project, you think about all you and, and your family has invested into this very special space that we have in our community. What are you most excited about as this project moves forward? You know, it's such a good question, Tiffany. And I would have to say that it has always been a labor of love for me over the past 25 years since I came and got to work with my grandfather for two years before he passed away. And so being able to even further fulfill his vision for what he saw when he bought the Passionist Fathers Monastery, which was for sale in 1957, and thought that Merle Hay Plaza would be something unique and something that would really draw people to that part of the state. Um, and it certainly did. Uh, you know, being able to see a further vision for what he saw there is so fulfilling. And as you say, you know, family businesses are unique creatures. And so I'm just very excited to be working with Michael, to be working with, you know, everyone in the Bucks operation, you know, the city of Urbandale and the city of Des Moines have been tremendous partners in all of this. Um, You know, our conversations with them started three years ago. So this is not something that has happened overnight and they have always put the time and the effort into it. Um, to make it happen. So there are going to be a lot of people if we can get to the Bucks home opener in the fall of 2022 celebrating that night. We can't wait. We will be right there cheering alongside both of you and your teams. Uh, We at the Greater Des Moines Partnership are very supportive of this project, excited about the project and the potential that it brings to, to our community and region as a whole. And, you know, we talk a lot about placemaking. And that's one of our one of our priorities. And this is a unique placemaking project. And as we think about, again, moving into recovery mode uh, after after COVID, and really thinking about the future, we we know and understand that placemaking in the past was a nice to have and now it is a need to have. Uh, we must move forward and, and support projects like this and just couldn't be more excited about it. So thank you again, Liz and Michael, for joining us today. We really look forward to seeing this all take shape and uh, seeing the Des Moines Buccaneers in their brand new arena in 2022, Michael. Uh, but thanks also to our, to our audience for joining us today for the One Voice DSM podcast. And thanks again for all that you do to drive growth in DSM USA. 